Another way. Paul speaks of this, this reality again in Galatians chapter 5. And listen to how Paul says it in Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 18, Paul says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, what Paul is saying is, you're not bound by the law because you've died to the law. And having died to the law, you're led by the Spirit. And so then we might ask Paul, well, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? What does it look like to die to the law and to be led and empowered by the Spirit? Just a few verses later in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, and that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 7, right? Bearing fruit to God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In other words, this is life in the Spirit. And then the very next thing Paul says, when he describes the fruits of the Spirit, the very next thing he says, against such things there is no law. In other words, the law is not opposed to any of that. You can love and have joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control as much as you want. The law is not opposed to any of that. But you don't live like that by the law. To live like that is to fulfill the law, but you don't live like that by the law. You live like that by dying to the law, by ceasing to look to the law for your salvation and your sanctification, and by belonging to Christ and trusting in the power of His Spirit to live in and through you. This is what Paul says about our relationship to the law. We must, in Christ, die to the law, not only as our hope for salvation, but also our hope for sanctification, so that we might belong to Christ, abide in Him, and know Him, and we might experience the power of His Spirit living in us and through us, so that we bear fruit for God. Now, as we've looked at Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, what I want us to do just for a moment here as we come to the end of our messages, I want us to step back and look more big picture. And what I want you to see here in Romans 7 through uh, verses 1 through 6 is that once again, as we've come from Romans chapter 6 now into chapter 7, once again, Paul presents us with a positive, hopeful, life-giving view of sanctification. And this is so important for us to see because I imagine there are many of us who feel like maybe we're just struggling deeply with sin and maybe even feel, feel at least like we're in bondage to sin. And Paul again and again and again and again in Romans 6 and now Romans 7 presents us with this positive hopeful, life-giving view of sanctification. Now later in chapter 7, we are going to get to, and Paul's going to talk about this, the struggle, the battle that takes place in sanctification. So Paul has a realistic view of progress in the Christian life. But part of that realistic view is hope. It's not unrealistic to have a positive hopeful, life-giving view of God's work in us as Christians in our progress of sanctification. That is part of the realistic view of being in Christ. 
I said uh, a few weeks ago that one of the books I've been reading or have read in preparation for this series is Whole in Our Holiness by Kevin DeYoung, and it's one of the books I'll be giving away in our next members meeting. And chapter five of that book is one of the most encouraging things I've read on sanctification. It's entitled, The Pleasure of God and the Possibility of Godliness. And in Romans, when we were going through Romans chapter 6, I shared with you a number of verses that Kevin DeYoung points out in that chapter where we see in the Bible that we can live in such a way that pleases God. And there's a number of those passages, and we just kind of went through them. Later on in the chapter, though, DeYoung cites 2 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. And some of you are familiar with this passage. Paul writes to them and he says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Now there are many times, I think, where that passage is appealed to, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. And kind of the sense is that, well, Paul is telling them to examine themselves because he's about to sock it to them, right? He's about to say, I want you to examine yourself, examine your life to see whether your life is representative of Christ and whether you are in Christ because I know you're not. Because I know if you examine yourself, you'll find yourself coming up short. You'll prove that you're not a Christian. Now there is a warning here in Paul's words. He does go on to say, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. And and some of you may need that warning this morning. But it seems that that is not the stress of Paul's message here. It seems, in fact, that Paul, this church in Corinth, which was, had all kinds of issues, and Paul had been working with for some time, it seems that Paul has a much more hopeful prospect for the Christians in Corinth. He says, in fact, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or, do you not realize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you. Do you see the hope that Paul has for the church in Corinth? And what is Paul referring to there? He's referring to union with Christ, right? That's what we've been talking about in Romans chapter 6 through 8. And he's writing to this congregation he's been ministering to, to Corinth. They've got all these issues. He says, listen, I've got hope for you. I'm your pastor. I've been watching you. I've been observing your life. We've been dealing with these different issues. You've been repenting and working through these different challenges. And I want to say to you, do you not realize who you are? Christ is in you. And my hope for you is that having been united to Christ in His death and in His resurrection, you belong to Him. And because you belong to Him, the law of God has been written on your heart. And because you belong to Him, you have been given His Spirit. So examine your life. And I trust that you will discover not perfection, but progress. Progress in your sanctification. Progress in you becoming more and more like Christ, which will in fact confirm that you are in Christ. My friends, the law can't save you. Only Christ can. If you've been looking to the law for salvation, 
It is a foolish endeavor. Trust in Christ. And if you are in Christ, know this. You belong to Him. So abide in Him. And know this. God's law has been written on your heart so that by the power of His Holy Spirit, you might serve Him. Not in perfection, but with genuine progress as you are conformed increasingly to the image of Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank You and praise You for the great hope that You have given us in Christ and in the Gospel. And Lord, as we study Your Word and as we consider the words of the Apostle Paul, we are reminded of just how little we know and appreciate all the great riches that are ours in Christ. Lord, forgive us. And Lord, we pray that You would open our minds and our hearts to know and understand and appreciate with a new freshness all that you have granted to us in Jesus. We thank you that we belong to him. We thank you that you have written your law on our hearts. We thank you that you have granted to us your Holy Spirit. Help us to live by faith. And Lord, by the power of your Spirit and work in our lives, we pray that you would increasingly and continually conform us to the image of your Son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.